Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation and you take it from there. Today we talk about prayer. So prayer in Christianity, kind of important, <laughs> maybe a bit of an understatement. Um, and, you know, we just have to start off with a little bit of, of defining within each person's world um, idea here of, of what is prayer. So, Tom, what is prayer? Prayer is talking to God. Okay. The right. most simple way to put it. Direct communication with God? Yes. <laughs> with God. For some reason I went into a Blues Brothers phrasing of God. Everett, what is prayer? Well, I'm going to give you the answer that the Episcopal Catechism gives. Uh, I thought about looking that up. Nice. Go for it. God, by thought and by deeds, with or without words. Mm. Okay. All right. What, what was the first line, Everett? Prayers responding to God. Mm. And thought, by thought and by deeds, with or without words. By thought and by deed, responding to God. So responding means that there was something already given. Then, that what, yeah. what's the what's the title on that part of the catechism? What is prayer? Is it as it? <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Responding. Hmm. I'll have to think about that one a little bit. That's interesting. Um, okay, so what? Uh, and I know this is kind of where we want to go a little bit. So, um, what what types of prayer? Uh, I know, and, and and to kind of feed this a little bit. So, I think different. Um, I'm going to say denominations because I don't know how to um, name the other. I don't know what to call that name. So, what is evangelical fundamentalist? You know, we have. Uh, what are we, Episcopalians and stuff like that? What do you call that? <laughs> is there, because we have do- denominations or different churches, is there a name for e- that kind of stuff? Different kinds of prayer? No, well, okay, let, let's back up. Let's back up. I'll, I'll erase that. In, in, and uh, Okay, so what are different types of prayer? Go for it, Tom. Well, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is we often talk about intercessory prayer, or that's the only type that comes to my head. <laughs> the two types that really come to my head are, my here's my laundry list, mm-hmm. and here's extemporaneous prayer. Those two aren't or, the same? Well, they Could tend, be. your extemporaneous prayer tends to turn into my laundry list. Okay. Oh, okay. You, If you come from where I come from, you think that the sign of deep spirituality is that you have to be able to pray long extemporaneous prayers, you know? Mm, Right. Mm, And and it's it's hard (laughs) to do that. So you end up just saying, going through the list of everything you want or need. Define extemporaneous, please. Uh, Without any preparation or words in front of you or just whatever's in your head, you... Say to God. It's the Clint Eastwood. It's from the hip, right? That's right. <laughs> and then, if you cannot p- pray well in an extemporaneous manner, 
you feel like a bad Christian. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? It's yes. Like, and, 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 and we have shamed everyone into not even trying to pray, it feels like, because of this. And I say everyone. Of course, I don't mean everyone. But it just it's like people don't want to pray uh, because what? Because they don't know how to talk in a godly manner, you know, and say these godly words. <laughs> so uh, yes, often well, they go ahead, Everett. I, I I think also that there's a false assumption that somehow um, we have to be right with God, or we have to um, have some sort of secret knowledge or something in order for God to listen, like. We have to be a part of the insider club or God doesn't really listen to our prayer, which is why so often um, folks like, you know, I mean, there's people that I am friends with outside of church who will contact me and say, hey, can you pray for? Hmm. Um, and, and it's, you know, I mean, obviously they say, OK, well, he's got to have something spiritual in him. Uh, but but there's but I think there's this false notion that we build that. There are certain people who sort of have this like closer relationship. So if we can find this super holy, you know, person in the church and say, hey, will you pray? God's going to listen to that prayer before God would listen to mine because God really knows my heart. And I think that's a false assumption, but I think that's sort of um, something we operate culturally. Hmm. Very interesting. That, you know, there are people who, um, and, and, I don't want to get too far away from extemporaneous and what Tom was talking about, but there's just something that comes to with practice, <laughs> you know, and I, and I don't mean that as in your prayers better because you practice, but there are people who can pray and just throw out all kinds of lingo and language and all these different things. Because, you know, if you've asked a priest who's prayed prayers out loud extemporaneously for 20 years, they're going to be able to call upon things. I mean, this is just the human brain, right? Um, but there's nothing uh, in my mind. Eh, sorry, I don't like that, that I'm saying this, but just better than someone who is at their end saying, God, help me. <laughs> you know, and, and um, that is prayer. Um, one one part of it, anyway. So okay. Well, that's what, that's what prayer is supposed to. I mean... At its most raw form, yeah. I mean, prayer is openness and honesty with the source and sustainer creator of our life. And that is what it is opening ourselves up. It's like the Eucharist. It's opening ourselves mm. up to a, the full presence of the kingdom of God, you know. And we have made this, we have made people think that you have to be, um, when we emphasize only extemporaneous prayer and we emphasize only uh, kind of out loud public prayer, we teach we teach this false version of our faith that you have to have this, like whatever it said, but also that you have to be a smooth talker to talk to God. <laughs> Slide and, this in. <laughs> yeah, like it's a sales pitch or something. Or, And we've... If you come from a church where, like a lot of our, uh, you know, friends and other churches where women aren't allowed to lead publicly, we have the case where, I mean, I sure hope they're praying at home, but, you know, there are a lot of women who were never taught to pray or told they couldn't pray out loud in public. 
Hmm. So um, we have we have not only taught people accidentally that maybe they don't know how to pray. We've also been direct about it with some parts of our Ooh, yeah. church. And, and and I think I think the person who who just cries out, you know, God, you know, help me. You know that 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 may that is the best form of prayer. Um, you know, I mean, somebody who can sit there and 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 say the right words may not be getting at the heart of the matter. Mm. Um, and and I th- I think that person who is calling out um, out of desperation probably um, is closer to the kingdom of God than the person who can pray all the long right prayers mm. right. and that's what it says in romans 8 about us groaning you know when the spirit intercedes for us with groans when all you can do is groan you know when life we have god god is a part of our prayer is the idea and 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 jesus talks about this in matthew's gospel and i think we get a portion of it during ash wednesday in which jesus talks about you know, beware of the person who, you know, is really showy and long-winded in their prayers. You know, rather go um, into the secret with your father and and you know and 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 ask your father, you know, in in secret. All right. Don't be like those who stand on the street corner and um, right. And that it comes to mind the uh, gosh, was it the Pharisee and the and. I don't remember who come up. Gosh, um, and one of them prays, "God, don't make me like the sinner." You know, <laughs> um, the tax collector. The tax collector, right, right. But can I play devil's advocate? Go for Please, it. For a second. Um, so you no. got you guys, you Episcopalians, you, you know, guys, you're, you're dogging our extemporaneous prayer. But surely that's better than these written-down prayers that you guys say. You mean that vain repetition, Tom? That's right. <laughs> that's just vain repetition. Um, so uh, what's your answer for that, Justin? I mean, I've got an answer, I think. <laughs> uh, you're setting me up. No. Um, you know, there is uh, there is something that where I have... Um, how Oh, when I first joined the Episcopal Church and I sat around on Sundays listening to these prayers, we're all praying together that are written down. I'm like, this is vain repetition. What are we doing? <laughs> and, and so then, um, then I learned about community and the power of prayer within the community. And obviously extemporaneous doesn't work when you're praying as a community. And when you are at your end, you don't have anything else left in you to say those prayers because you know insert here then you can not pray and the community will pray for you and that is one of the powers for me behind uh communal uh written prayers so tell me why extemporaneous won't work for communal prayer um unless you've all learned the prayer i guess you can do the well yeah i mean it's from the hip right it's clint eastwood so Mm -hmm. Not everybody is of one mind. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I, um, I'm going to take a different tact with it. I'm going to say that I, I think the extemporaneous prayer and the written down prayer are both equally okay. Agreed. 
the assumption that somehow the extemporaneous prayer is better or the written down prayer is better is a is is a false choice. Um, right, right. And just like and just to and, keep and, it- and, and I'm also going to say that I think um, now we don't always do it well in the Episcopal Church, but we have a long tradition of spontaneous prayer within worship. Uh, the charismatics do this. Now, Episcopals mm. are sort of sometimes uncomfortable at the notion of someone sort of launching into to, to prayer, but um, we we have that within with our, our even within the Episcopal tradition of of the offering of spontaneous um, prayers. And so I while it may not be normative for us, um, there are times in which which it happens. You know, ever you said something a minute ago about the best being when you are at your end. And I think and 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 I feel like the three of us came into this with an understanding. All prayer is good prayer. Any prayer is the right prayer. Um, Well, obviously, if you're saying I want someone to die, (laughs) that's not a good one, but any form. So let's. Right, but we find that that in the Psalms. I mean, that, 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 I mean, not that we're, you know, not that we believe that God's going to answer the prayer to kill so and so. Mm, Interesting. But but sometimes we need to open ourselves up to that raw emotion of our anger and our hatred and just say that, like, I wish I wish Tom Dolman was dead. No, I mean, that's, you know, sorry, Tom. He said it. Tom. He said his it. point. His point. His point being, God knows how you feel, mm. so there's no point in not being honest, mm. right? Interesting. Yes. Yes. And is that it, is it like the Southern thing? Oh, bless her heart. What we really mean is, <laughs> you know, you dumb blankety blank. Right. I mean, is it is it better? Is it better just to say to God, "I am really angry at so and so," and then when we name that emotion, God can work within us. And we have to be honest with God also about when we're angry at God. Yeah. And we have prayers in this. You in guys this are just too progressive for me. I'm sorry. This is. <laughs> well, I feel like most people who are listening to this, if they came from certain backgrounds aren't going to struggle with the extemporaneous although maybe they hadn't thought about you know there being another option right. I feel like what we right. need to do I would like us to make the I think we need to make the case for um, longer forms of prayer like for example the morning prayer noonday prayer evening prayer Compline in our in our in all liturgical traditions there are offices there are or in the Jewish tradition, or in the apostles, you see Peter was on the rooftop praying at noon. What's that all about? Mm-hmm. You know, if I would, for when when I read that with my evangelical eyes, I just thought, wow, he happened to be up on the rooftop praying at noon. But then I found, you know, the Jewish <laughs> cycle, that was what they were supposed to do. He was doing his noonday prayers, which was a cycle of prayers. Right. So, um, why do we do that? Why do you guys, you liturgical Christians, I think that's the question that maybe they're wondering. And what's the benefit of that? Especially for people who maybe have lost their faith or are struggling with trying to find their faith again. Because we are sinners and keeping our mind, and, and, and I say that because I just for myself, I know. I know that it at any turn, at any corner, 
Um, the beast is dark. No, that's a bad term. Um, from Genesis, it says that uh, Cain, the animals, you know, knocking at the door or lingering at the door because sin's right behind the next corner kind of kind of thing. Um, and that's just something I, 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 after reading that part in Genesis about the Cain and Abel story, um, it used sin and referred to it as an animal, you know, always sitting at the door, uh, ready to come in, so to speak. Gosh, when I say that, that sounds very fundamentalist, and I don't mean it to be, but it's an easy way to think about it. But if we are in consistent, you know, pray without ceasing, uh, it, it is something that we do morning, noon, evening, and, and then, of course, compliment at the, at, at the end of the day, which I don't do. <laughs> but if we did, um, it would be something to where our minds are focused on God, and we can repent, we can offer, um, you know, confession, forgiveness, and so on, and just stay in, in, in conversation with God. It's my thought. I think, I think the benefit of a cycle, um, of following a cycle of prayer, and I'll be honest, I, for the most part, I only do morning prayer. I, 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 I rarely do noonday, evening, or, or compliment. Um, but it's a way of sort of claiming back our time um, from the world, and saying that there is another way in which we set our calendars. And, and I think it's beneficial if we would actually sort of interrupt our day right. uh, and doing that. I, 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 may, I always feel like, because we never like, you know, I never know what stories I've shared on these podcasts or not, but it's such a good story. <laughs> Don't worry, <laughs> Tom does it all the time. <laughs> there was an article in the Living Church about a, a, a person who was uh, uh, worked for a defense contracting firm and was designing, you know, weapon systems. And in the midst of that, as part of a Lenten discipline, began to, to pray morning, noon, evening, and Compline. And it changed her so much that, you know, she left that position and, and, and went another direction in, in her life. Wow. Uh, so I think it can be really powerful uh, to take on. I agree. And in my mind, I can't give up my important things I have to do enough to go and do those prayers, <laughs> which, is, which is absolutely against the point. Uh, because the, I'm putting myself in a position greater than God, assuming what my to-do list, even if it is for God, uh, quote fingers there, that I think I should do that. It's like, oh, I need to wake up and I need to, you know, prepare this lesson for Sunday than more so than spending time in prayer, <laughs> you know. And that's the I, consistent battle in, within me. I would like to steal a illustration from Brian Zahn. Cool, go. Please do. He said, <laughs> he said, what we want to do when we pray, and he's speaking to a room full of evangelicals, he said, what we want to do is we just want to riff. We want to be extemporaneous. Mm. We want to be like Eric Clapton with his guitar, <laughs> just, you know, riffing on all these um, hot notes, you know, and, and making up our own tune. And he said, but what people don't know about Eric Clapton is, to improvise well in music in any instrument, you have to know the rules of music first. All improvisation takes place within, you know, the all those rules of chord progression and all of these things that, that you're taught. So before you improvise, you learn the rules. And we have in, in scripture and in the tradition, 
We have the rules. We have the basics. We have the foundation of prayer. Hmm. So, for example, when you do morning prayer, you're trusting, you're going through the confession, then you're getting the psalm, you're getting the cycle of readings that's been being built up for thousands of years based on the Jewish cycle of prayer. You're getting the Lord's Prayer, which Jesus taught his disciples to pray. So you're getting all the foundation of prayer from your community of the church. You drifted off. <laughs> Tom, send out the search party. <laughs> Did he get wrapped? There he is. Okay. You were at... Oh, man. That was so good, too. No, I know. Got... What man? Technology. It's the devil. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Keep going. You're on a good pace here. Go. So we get the rules, and then at the end of morning prayer, you get to say whatever's on your heart. So his point was that like a, like a, a great musician we have to first learn the framework of prayer. And the obviously the best place to learn that is from Jesus, the prayer he taught his disciples, right. from the tradition of the church. And it was really helpful for me. That's the Lord's I, Prayer, by the way. Yeah. For those when who I, don't know it by that name. When I had lost my um, faith, or I thought I had, and I went after my father had died, I had gone through you know, grad school and lost my view of scripture that I had had. And, and I was trying to just get through a friend of mine named Bob Logston. He said, um, I have this book of praying the Psalms. It's, you know, it's from a monastery, I think St. John or this monastery in Boston. I think it's an Episcopal monastery. That's what he said. Real famous monastery that we have. And, um, he said, and I've prayed this when I've been, you know, going through hard times. So as a way to read the Psalms as your prayer, which I knew that was biblical because it says in the New Testament, you know, singing Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Right. So right. Uh, um, I started praying these prayers, just letting the Psalm be my prayer every day. And it changed the way I looked at prayer because it, I was not only surrendering to God in prayer, but I was surrendering even my words to God. And these psalms, there are joyful psalms, there are lament psalms, there are, you know, angry psalms. And it seemed that for what, however, you know, these psalms seemed to be matching with what I needed to say that day or what I needed to hear that day. And it was, it was an amazing, that was my first experience with a form of prayer that's written down. And I would challenge people to try it. Tom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of echo what you just said, which is when I first got into the daily um, office, the thing that was the most um, sort of unsettling was praying the Psalms. Um, because, it, you know, you don't, you don't just go pick a Psalm. There's, there's a Psalm that's assigned for the day. And sometimes you sit there and you go, well, what the, you know, why the heck would anyone put this down in, in scripture? Cause I mean, you know, like sometimes the Psalmist thinks like everyone's out to get them and you're wondering if he has like some sort of like borderline personality disorder going on. Um, but over time, as I, as I prayed the Psalms more and more, um, I, I, I found them getting to things that I would not normally say. So, so those, those moments in which I think, you know, that people don't like me, here's the Psalmist saying it. Um, 
and and so it became really powerful. But at first, it right. was it was sort of off putting because it just it seemed foreign or weird or 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 whatever. But um, that's become honestly one of the most spiritually nourishing things has been the Psalms. I still trouble. I still have trouble with Psalms, um, and and it is something for me that is a I see as I mature. I think. Um, in faith and maybe just in person as well, that they're beginning to open up a little bit more to me. But sometimes, I mean, I just sit and read the Psalms and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's just like, and we'll just keep doing this in unison because everyone else is doing it, right? And um, But then at the same time, uh, teachers and podcasts and places are starting to open them up to an understanding of what it is and who's writing it and where that person like David is writing it, you know, in a cave while being chased by Saul. And it starts to really open it up. And I'm, I really hope that it continues to because I just have a block with it. I have a block with the Psalms in many cases. Um, and I love Psalm one, um, and, 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 um, Psalm 51, 90, I blah, blah, blah. And so, um, but, but it is, it's very tough for me. And I just want to say that because that may be the case for other people out there. I, I can't say that I can sit down and get all holier and crazy and just read songs for <laughs> days. It's like, Arr! and I mean, I, I feel that with morning prayer too. Um, it, it's just at some point I'm bouncing off the walls and, um, it's just, it's something that I am, I try and I actually go for in our, in the book of common prayer is where, um, which is in our tradition is what is used where the morning prayer, noonday, evening and Compline are located. There are also what's called morning, uh, devotion. No, no. What is that called? Dang it. Uh, yeah, I think it's for families morning devotion yeah and then noonday and so on and and i tend to pray those and what that does is it actually in the middle gives you a time of silence which i do uh extemporaneous prayer and this is what i just did on a, on a pilgrimage that our youth went with as i use this prayer and we take time in the middle for silence um or intercessory or whatever you want to um but i i use and tom i want you want to hear your um prayer methods next if you don't mind um but i have gone through seasons with prayer i have prayed morning prayer i have just got done strictly extemporaneous um for sometimes hours <laughs> in the mornings um and I, I not hours but a long time let's say and um uh, every when you and i were in boot camp <laughs> Many many years ago, we yeah. uh, we would get up at five thirty and go work out, and I'd be back in my uh, office at by six forty five and everything, and I would pray for the rest of the time until I started work, so to speak. And that was an amazing amazing time, and it just fit. But that season went away. Um, basically, I couldn't handle boot camp anymore. <laughs> but it was awesome. They, and, when they say boot camp, they mean a gym that they went to, not the army. Thank you. Yes. Yes. It was a, it was a, what do you call that? Dry fit? Not dry fit. CrossFit. <laughs> dry fit's the shirt. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it really was. It, it was a time of just, I can't even, I can't even just use words to describe it. But, that season has passed and I have moved into something else. And I am right now, I, I am honestly probably searching more for what the next prayer season is like for myself. 
right now. Uh, but right now I'm u- using that morning daily devotion thing, I would say. Tom, what about you? What is your what is your daily prayer life like? Uh, well, it is often I try to do one of the parts of the office every day. If I miss morning prayer, I'll do I'll shoot for noonday or evening or compliment. I just try to get one in every day. Mm, okay. And then with my family, you know, we pray before meals. I pray before I prepare lessons. And I pray um, when I'm at the end of my rope, like when I'm trying to raise money for a building program. So, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So, I'm, I mean, I pray like everybody else. I've got that times and then I've got times when I'm uh, just at just begging God for everything not to go south you know <laughs> so, so right. that's about it right yeah and mine's not daily it's sporadic it is and I and, and sometimes it wins out that my schedule and agenda is more important than um, and, and that's a problem that I have with um, uh I want to say clergy, let's say ministry workers is that I want to say that our focus can easily turn into the lessons we're teaching than the prayer life that we should have. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to insert a moment of grace um, here, which is do it. I, I, I do believe that sort of the set, like the, the prayer tradition of the church is important because it gives us, the formation and the language as you know Tom mentioned earlier. But you know, in, in the midst of preparing your lesson, hopefully you're sitting there and wondering, so what's at the mind of God here? What does this mm. say about God? Well that's prayer. Um, say that again. Say that again. That's what did you say that's, that's prayer? As you're as you're exploring what is, you know, I'm gonna do this lesson mm. on Genesis and the you know sin of uh, Cain and Abel or whatever. Right. Um, hopefully at some point there's a conversation there about well, what does this say about God or what does this say about sin or what does this say about forgiveness? And so, so, so that, that act becomes prayer. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tom, Tom was, was, was at, uh, the gym this morning, um, <laughs> running, and, and hopefully at, at some point during the running, he begins to have, co- you know, thoughts or conversations about faith or God or, he thinks of somebody in his parish who's ill or, you know, and, and so in that moment, you're, you're running because so we, we, we create too firm a boundaries about what prayer is, which mm. is what I love about that definition in the catechism is that prayer is thoughts and deeds hmm. with or without words. And so if you're sitting there do, preparing a study, and in your mind, you're having this sort of conversation with God, even if you're not using the words about it. I, I think that's prayer. That's good, man. That's a nice, Amen, brother. graceful moment. <laughs> Every minister worker went, whew. But I do, I do think it's important to make the, the it, you know, particularly in this tradition, the pattern of prayer that's found in the prayer book yeah. a part of your, your discipline because you need the language and you need – that 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 formation, but I think we need to have grace um, a little bit about what prayer is. We need to open it up a little bit. That's good. That's good. Uh, Tom, any final thoughts before we wrap this part one <laughs> up? Thanks for being my friend, guys. 
PD, just keep the checks coming and I'll stay your friend. (laughs) (laughs) We love you, Tom. Okay, we'll move on. There's other things to cover here. So that that was good. That was very good. All right. Uh, uh, May the peace of the Lord be always with you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at at FunDrainPod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.